Now I don't even want to speak after that. Just is nice receiving. How many like to receive from the Lord? That's the goal of my life is to receive. Everybody lift your hands to the Lord and say, Lord, I want to receive. I want to be a receiver. Yeah, amen, Lord. Amen. Well, thank you, Jesus. Okay, I wanted to tell you all this because we were singing this song about sleep. All the, and, but let me just tell you, the Lord will mess with your sleep. So you can say, we're going to sleep good tonight, but Jesus may wake you up. So this is something I read that helped me with that, helping me. Sometimes the devil will wake you up. That's not a good night. Uh, but uh, Watchman Nee, y'all know who Watchman Everybody raise your hand who knows who Watchman Nee is. Good. Everybody who don't know, go and buy this book, The Normal Christian Life. Okay? Read that book. And the first time you're going to read it, you're going to think, this ain't normal. <laughs> I've read it. I've read that book. I used to read it every year because it was so like, ah, I'm not getting this. But uh, he shared this story, I think, in that book where he talked about sleep. And the, he was not sleeping. He couldn't sleep. And I think, was it in Normal Christian Life he shared that? Yeah, and the Lord told him that nobody's ever died. Has anybody ever died of insomnia? He said, no, Lord. So don't worry about it. So you don't have to worry about it. You can just... so. That's something the enemy will try to get you with, is you'll get anxious about the sleep thing. But I've learned, learning, that when the Lord wakes me up, is I can, I can deal with it. You know, I can go with it, and I'm not, I, don't, I don't get anxious no more and start fret, being fretting about the next day and being all wore out, which I used to do, which would keep you up even longer. Amen? So I want to encourage you about that, because that's really a, a, be a part of your Christian life at some point. Uh, the Lord waking you up. Because He loves, He just somehow, He just doesn't care about the time like we do. If you ever notice that about the Lord. Yeah. He never sleeps. He said that. I never sleep. He said it for a reason. Just to let you know that you may never sleep. <laughs> but you'll be with the Lord and you'll be refreshed and renewed. Amen. Uh, let me read uh, Ephesians 4, verse 1. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord... Beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. And so, I think the last, the last couple of weeks ago I talked to you about walking. Does anybody remember that message I gave on walking worthy? Remember that? Why, you know, that God has really called us to walk worthy. Uh, and I somehow can't get off this verse 1 here. There's a lot in this verse 1. But he's talking about walking worthy of the calling with, with which you were called. How many people in this room feel like they have a calling on their life? Raise their hand. Okay, now who who feels like they don't have a call and raise their hand? Well, there you go. Some people didn't raise their hand for either one. Explain that one. That was that didn't make no sense. Okay, everybody has a calling. Every person, every human being on this planet has a calling. God did not create any any person without a calling. He created us all with a calling. And what God wants to do is He wants people to engage with their calling. Okay, because if you're calling, you're going to find this. If you will engage with your calling, you will find that your Christian life will prosper. You will bloom spiritually, okay, as a Christian that's pursuing a calling in your, on your life. And so I want to talk to you a little bit about calling because what I'm seeing and what I have seen with people, with a lot of people, okay, is people neglecting their calling, people laying their calling down. Or people who just don't know, don't have a good understanding, or are not equipped for calling. 
is they, they think colonists just for other people, people who preach or something like that. And it just is a lot of, lot of and it messes people up. Um, what he, he does, and if you re- really look at chapter 4, this is a very powerful chapter here in Ephesians, is he, uh, he tells you really, chapter 4 really tells you how to come into your calling. It really gives you a lot of clues. And uh, verse 7, he, talks, so he says there, like, there's three things. First was, is grace, that, that God, the Lord has given every person grace, okay? Uh, and that's a key part of your calling is having, knowing, you know, that's really how you understand your calling. That's how you know you're in a calling because there's a grace to do something that's on you. Uh, and he tells us that God, that the Lord Himself has given grace. And he also says the fivefold ministry releases grace. Okay, so that's one of the things the Lord's going to do. He's going to release grace in the room this morning for your calling. And then he also talks about that we, every Christian, can or should be releasing grace to each other. So he tells us the sources in this chapter. He reveals the sources of grace that God has on the earth. It comes from the Lord Himself, comes from the fivefold ministry, and it comes from every Christian, potentially. Okay, the second thing he talks about in here is having the renewed mind of Christ. Okay, thinking heavenly, thinking from a heavenly perspective, seeing things the Lord the way the Lord sees them, and not walking in this darkness in your mind. So that you know that's a real key part of really understanding your calling is the renewed mind of Christ. And then the last thing he talks about is the power of the Holy Spirit. Everybody say the power of the Holy Spirit. See, that's really important because you're going to find out in your calling you're going to need all three of those things. You're going to need grace, you're going to need, an, you're going to need a renewed mind, and you're going to need power to see your calling through. Now, callings are, are inherent. There's power in calls. If you know anyone who has a calling in their life that are really going on, that really are, are pursuing their call, you know that they've got something going. You know there's a power in them. There's something in them motivating them, okay? And that's the wonderful thing about a calling. A calling really will motivate you. It is the most powerful motivator that I know of, really. It's something that keeps you going. It's something that keeps you stirred towards God, okay? And so without a calling, see, that's where the enemy has so deceived the church and so deceived Christians. He's let them forget this calling or they've laid their calling down for some, some reason. And it's, been, it's a vital part of your Christian life. It's a vital part to grow one spiritually just as a Christian, when I made a decision in my life, when I decided I was going to pursue a calling, my Christian life changed from that moment. Okay? It changed from that moment because when I realized I have a call, and I began to pursue that call and go after that call. And so what we're, we're in a time now where I see a lot of Christians laying their calling aside. Or I see a lot of Christians allowing the enemy to, to trick them out of their calling. Okay, and so and then, then those, there's some who just don't really understand their call. They get frustrated, they get disappointed, they get d- discouraged, and they let their calling go. And so what God wants to do is He wants to activate the church and, and help the church see that there's a, there's a great calling on the church. One of the things that Paul said here, I think that's really important, is calling is an active word. He uses the word, the calling with which you were called. See, call, you were called, everybody were, was called historically who has a calling on their life. They know there was a time and moment where they felt God called them. Okay, but the problem is, is a lot of Christians feel that called. They feel called, but they have not executed that calling. Calling is an active word. He said, walk worthy in the calling. Calling is active. It's something you do. That's why he says, walk worthy. Calling is something that causes, there's a forward momentum 
Okay, there's a four of them that will come into your Christian life as you pursue a calling. Okay, the calling is just such a unique thing, okay? It's a very, it can be a very frustrating thing in the believer's life because calling is something we never really achieve. Okay, you never, it's like your calling. I'm telling you, here's the way to call it. The calling is always one hand. You can just get your fingertips on it sometimes. You feel it, and then the moment you feel that, you realize it's, it's, it's moved. You see, it's, the calling is a flowing thing. It's a moving thing. And, and Paul, that's why Paul called it the upward call. Even Paul himself said, you know, I have not laid hold of that which I've been called to. I'm pressing into the upward call of God in Christ. See, he had that sense in him of something that was drawing him and something that was provoking him and causing him to move forward. And that's what the calling would do in your Christian life. And so that's what makes, that's what makes it such a powerful thing for the Christian is because it activates you, it motivates you, it gives you a reason to get up in the morning, it gives you a, a purpose in life. And so without that calling, we don't, it's, it's like we lack something in our lives. And that's why Paul was saying we've got to walk worthy of this thing. We've got to pursue this thing. A lot, you know, Jesus said many are called but few are, are chosen. That's Matthew twenty-two fourteen. Many are called but few. But who, who, really, every believer is called. The ones who are not really chosen because I think Revelation seventeen fourteen or fourteen seventy-one that says that those who were with him were the called, the chosen, and the faithful. Those who were with him were the called, the chosen, and the faithful. Well, that's sort of like, wow, that's how you be with the Lord. You're called, you're chosen, you're faithful. Well, a lot of people who, are, who don't make the chosen, many are called, but few are chosen. Why are so few are chosen? Because the, everybody has a calling. Not everybody responds to it. Or at some point, people let it go. And their calling becomes called. It becomes a historical thing in their life. Not something that's real in their life. Not something that's today in their life. Are y'all following this? And so God really wants to activate your calling this morning. He wants you to know you have a calling. And, and so it'll make a big difference in your life. Now, let's look over here. Um, at Jer- oh, the other thing I wanted to get you on this. This is really powerful. Uh, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord. That's what Paul called him, the prisoner. Everybody say, the prisoner of the Lord. We don't like to think in terms of prison, do we? No, I, you know, who would? But here's what Paul, he did. He could have said, Paul was literally, literally a prisoner of the Roman Empire. He was literally in a dark, dark, damp, wet dungeon. That's really where he was at when he wrote this book. But he was saying, but, but he was saying, I'm the prisoner of the Lord. I'm not a prisoner of my circumstances. I'm not a prisoner of my situation. I'm not a prisoner of my of value system. I'm not a prisoner of what the world says. It's the truth. And see, a lot of Christians here where we went wrong with our calling. Oh, I've got these other things that are more important in my life over my calling. You know, uh, well, the economy has fallen apart. I can't pursue my calling. Yet Paul was pursuing his calling in the worst of situations. Can you imagine being an apostle over churches, over people's lives, and he is dug out into a prison, hearing bad reports of carnal, you know, bad things, legalism, and you couldn't do a thing to get to him. Can you imagine that? And that was the state he was in. But it didn't stop him because he wrote some of his greatest works. They call them the prison epistle or prison letters, like Ephesians, in, the, in that worst situation. He wrote that, see, in his, in his calling, his ministry went on. So we have all these excuses. 
uh, about our calling. You know, economy or uh, finances or, you know, you're, oh, i got to raise my family. i got to do this. I mean, really and truly. And really what's... See, I've heard a lot of people say that. I don't really have time for a calling. It's not really true. You, you know, but, but, and they'll say, well, I can't because of my family. That's a lie from hell because, see, what's good for you is good for your family. And a calling is really one of the best things you could have because it will cause you to love the Lord. It will cause you to get close to the Lord. And, you know, if, if it's good for you, that's what I always used to tell my kids when I made decisions that went against them because I felt like God was calling me to do it, is I would always tell them that if it's good for me, it's good for you. This is, and my kids would tell you today, if they were brave enough to, that I was right. <laughs> Dad was right on a couple things. <laughs> that was one of them he was right on. And I can really say that. Day. I do not regret the decisions I made in my life where my family had to make sacrifices for a calling. I don't regret those decisions on any level. In fact, I would go do them all, every one of them, over again. Every one. Now, I may use a little bit more wisdom now than I did then. But I would make all those same decisions. I would do those same things. I would let go of the things I needed to let go. I would move when I needed to move. I would do the things I had to do to fulfill the calling. Because if, if it was God's will for me, my family was going to be totally impacted and blessed by it. Do you all believe that? Well, here's the thing. Let's look over here. So, so God wants to make us prisoners of Him, of the Lord. We're a prisoner of the Lord. I'm a prisoner of God. Okay? God has, a, he has ordained my life. He has a life for me that He has chosen for me. And I have chosen to receive that life. I've chosen to walk in that life. Okay? And I, not, let me just be honest with you. If you're going to have a calling, it's going to cut certain things out of your life. You are, there are certain things that's going to be cut out of your life. You're going to have to make that decision and make those choices. But you know what? There's no, there's no comparison to, to the benefit and the fruit that a column will give you if you will give up those things, and you know, not even bad things. I'm not talking about bad stuff. You know, bad stuff every Christian needs to give up, right? All right, let me just read this. Are y'all good? Let me read this, Jeremiah 1, 4 through 8. God really is wanting to put a column like, in some people's hearts today. Okay? It's already in your heart. Here's the thing. Jeremiah 1, 4 through 8. This is powerful. Everybody probably knows these, but... This kind of gives you a little, a little picture here. Then the word of the Lord came to me, came to Jeremiah, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. That's what the Lord said. Before I formed you in the womb, okay, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Now, I can't really 100% prove this biblically this morning, but this is one of the scriptures I got. I'm working on this. Is before you and I ever existed on this earth, we existed in heaven. Our spirits were in heaven with the Lord because we're our spirit people. We're not, we're, not, we're not fleshly people. We're spiritual people with a fleshly body to, so we can live on this flesh, this world that we're living in. But we, this is sort of what I, how I imagine this, okay? Is I imagine in heaven there was a time when God came to Byron Wicker and said, Byron, this is the, this is the calling, this is the DNA for your life. This is what I want you to do for your life. And this is how it's going to work. I'm going to put you down in Ruth's, my mama's name, Ruth's womb. 
Okay? I'm going to put you in her womb, and you're going to be born into this family. William and Ruth Wicker will be your parents. Okay? And this is the kind of life that you're going to have growing up. These are the difficulties that you're going to face. These are the things that you're going to overcome. These are the ways you're going to think. These are the kind of people you're going to be around. Here's all the hindrance. Here's all this stuff. But yet, here's my destiny. Here's my purpose. Here's my DNA. And here's the great thing about it. You are not going to even know that we ever had this conversation while you're there. You're not even going to know that you even existed here. But you're going to go on this journey, and you're going to try to discover what I have placed down you when I formed you, because I formed you, and I put something in you. And part of that something is an identity as a person, and part of that something is an identity and calling. And as you begin to discover that, you will live out the life that I have laid out for you. Okay? And so I can imagine myself saying to God, in my, you know, Okay, we're going to do it, Lord. We're going to, I'm going to do that with you. And I go down to the earth, into my mama's womb, and I get born, and I start living my life. But I don't know anything about what I just said to you. And I don't know anything about the Lord forming me. I don't even know about the Lord. But all these things happen in my life. And somewhere along the line, I start getting in touch with something inside of me. Okay, a DNA inside of me that God put in me that I begin to discover and, and, and begin to say, begin to like listen to what it was saying to me and begin to really want to do what it was saying even though everything around me was not cooperating with it and, and everything I had learned and the way I had been treated and what people had said to me and said about me and all those things, it was, it was saying something contrary to all that. And so I began to, little by little, listen to that voice inside of me and listen to that thing inside of me and start making steps towards it and start believing a little bit here and a little bit there, a little bit here, a little bit there. And then one day I'm sitting there and the Lord speaks to me and says, I have a calling on your life. And I'm thinking, how could you have a calling on my life? <laughs> you know. But I'm agreeing with that calling. I'm agreeing with that call. And I'm believing that this thing that you formed in me, you didn't just form me as a person. You formed spiritual DNA and you formed blueprints in my, in my heart, blueprints in my heart that says this is the way your life will be. This is what you must overcome. This is what you must deal with. You've got to pull into this revelation. You've got to pull into that race. And if you'll follow those blueprints, you will fulfill the calling on your life. Okay, even though you'll be like Paul, it'll always feel like one, you know, one step ahead of you because that's the nature of the call. I want to keep saying that to you because that's where a lot of people fail at. A lot of people get discouraged and messed up because it's like the, Paul at one point said that he was in a spectacle. A spectacle. You know what a spectacle is? A spectacle is a failure. A spectacle is a guy who said something and nothing happened. Or a, a spectacle is a person that everything they did, it didn't work. Because they were doing it because they saw something else and heard something else that nobody heard or saw. And they went after it and they failed in the midst of it. They totally failed. That's what a calling will do to you. It will make you into a spectacle. It's no fun being a failure. I don't like being a failure. I want to be a success. I want to do everything I say the Lord says. I want to see it confess. But it doesn't. That's part of the calling. That's part of the way it works. I mean, if it happened to Paul, it's going to happen to us. We're going to feel that at times. And, and many people cringe at that and pull back and want to hide. Well, I missed the Lord or I made a mistake. 
Well, we are going to miss the Lord and make mistakes. You know? But God is in all that. In all that provoking us and, and working in our hearts, drawing us on, pulling us. I mean, that's the way it feels to you. And there'll be times when you feel frustrated and you'll act not good. Because I've had people say, Byron, you're never happy with anything. Well, that's not really 100% true. Because in my heart, I'm, I'm real content about a lot of stuff. But there's something in me that's, that's pulling on me and says, don't settle for where you're at. There's more. God has more. He has more revelation. He has more of what He wants me to experience. He has more things for me to do with my life than what I'm doing. That's the calling part. That's the thing that keeps us walking worthy because we're listening to that and walking with that because it's causing us to walk. Otherwise, you'll be a Christian who does nothing with your life. And that these words, walk worthy of your calling, will mean nothing to you. They'll mean nothing to you. Because you won't do anything. But a calling says, go, follow that dream. Go after that thing. Pursue that thing. That's what a calling will tell you to do. And you begin to do it. And you do have to live with being a spectacle. You do have to live with being a failure. It's hard to do. Okay? It really is hard to do. This is... And so here's what you hear the rest of what Nehemiah, uh, Jeremiah said. Uh, he said, I formed you in the womb. I sanctified, before you were born, I sanctified you, set you apart. I literally believe that we agree with God for that in heaven. We're, yep, that's what I'm set apart for, Lord. Yes, sir. It's happy in heaven because I know about it. The problem is I come as an embryo who knows nothing. I, come, I live as a baby who knows nothing. I got all this pressure on me. And I got all this failure on me. And I got all this, uh, you know, this orphan spirit and this poverty spirit, whatever your spirit was that went after you and just, just tried to destroy your life. I got all that sitting on me. I don't know nothing about what we talked about in heaven. I don't know. I don't even remember. I don't even know there's a heaven. I don't even know there's a God. You know? But something inside of me tells me there is a God. Something inside of me tells me I had that conversation with Him. I knew Him from eternity past. And I agreed with him for what he had ordained me for. And he told Jeremiah, I ordained you to be a, a prophet to the nations. But this is what Jeremiah... Oh, Lord! Can't you just say, oh, Lord! I can't speak for I'm just a youth! Oh, Lord, I can't do that! i got three kids that i got to raise! Oh, Lord, i got a hard job! Oh, Lord, I'm too ugly! I'm too fat! I'm too skinny! I'm bald! Whatever your excuse, Bob, is. <laughs> We're not using baldness no more. We've determined that's glory. People with hair, they ain't really knowing about the glory, are they, Charlie? No. See, we got the glory. That's why we don't have hair. It's because the glory came on our head and the hair, hair just bowed. It fell off while it was bowing. That's true. I can't speak. I'm just a youth. See, we, it, Jeremiah was no different than us. He was just, I can't do this. You know, and we all have these excuses. You know, one thing about great about the calling is, is it'll keep you humble if you really go after it. And being humble is a great way to live your Christian life. Because it keeps you in the grace of God. Because it is that thing. You, you don't really seem to get there with it, the calling. Even Paul, at his very last, at his very last moments, he was saying, I've done finished my race, but it's out of the same mouth that I've finished it. He's telling Timothy, he's fulfilling his calling as a father. Timothy, you've got to keep going. You've got to press into this thing. 
Out of his same mouth. Oh, I'm finished my course. I'm done. He's getting close to dying. He knows that he's going to be executed. But he's still, still preaching the gospel to a young man, Timothy. He wasn't, you know, it was a contradictory thing in, in some ways in what he said there, if you really think about it. I finished my course. Timothy, you got to finish yours. Oh, Timothy, here's how you finish your course, son. And, you know, follow my ways. Follow my doctrine. You know, you know what I did. Here's what you got to do, Timothy. you got to finish, you know. And see, so that's, how, that's how the calling is. It keeps us humble. I, see, it's not, it's not a bad thing that we don't attain because it keeps us moving and it keeps us humble. Because we realize God is asking us to do something we can't do. He's asking us to live an impossible life. He's asking us to do things that only God can do. That's why we need the power of the Holy Spirit. You know? We know that. We learn that. And we begin to be people who are hungry for the power of the Holy Spirit. People are hungry for the renewed mind of Christ. People are hungry for grace. Because we can't do it, Lord. We can't do what you ask us to do. And we're tired, Lord. We're tired. We're tired. We get tired. We want to quit. You know, We want to give up. And it just tears you, but you, there's something that says, no, you're not giving up. You think you're giving up. You're not giving up. You can't give up. It just keeps, it's like a motor that runs in you. But the Lord said to me, do not say, I'm a youth, for you shall go to all to whom I send you. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I'm with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Y'all know that they called him the weeping prophet, Jeremiah. And he had a good reason to weep, because he was rejected. He, everything he did, he was actually literally thrown in a, in a well, I think up to his waist, left there to die, because he was doing nothing but being what, bringing the word of the Lord that God had put in his heart. And so you see, that's what the calling will. The calling will get you in trouble. You know, I mean, it really will. All right, I wanted to read the one in Galatians just so you, you know. Some people, I'm just tired of this. I'm going to tell you this right now. I believe that the Bible in the Old Testament is a very legitimate book for Christians to get revelation from. Because a lot of Christians say, well, that's just Old Testament. Have you ever heard of them saying that? Well, Jesus read the Old Testament, Okay. In the Old Testament, it's got a beauty of stories for us. It tells all these beautiful stories. And we can see ourselves in them. And we've just got David in them. David's in the Old Testament. And he's got this life of grace and life of, of New Testament guy living there that we can look at and get a lot of information about Christianity through that one man's life. So I'm just, don't, I'm just not going for that through, through the Old Testament. In fact, you know, I think you could get in trouble with the Lord over it, personally speaking. I like the Old Testament, I guess that's what I'm saying. This is what Paul said, But when it pleased God, who separated me from the womb, from my mother's womb, and called me through His grace to reveal His Son in me, that I might preach Him, isn't that powerful, among the Gentiles. I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood. So Paul, see, had this same kind of encounter, this same kind of experience that Jeremiah had. He's saying, in the womb, before the womb, God did something. You know, I mean, honestly, everybody looks the way they do without makeup and dye and, you know, stuff that people do to make themselves look different because of your DNA structure, right? You know, your skin's the color it is because of your DNA. And so it's the spiritual DNA that's in there also. That's really the most important DNA there is that, that we're trying to discover. And part of that DNA is calling. Part of that DNA is plans for your life. 
Okay? God has that for you and you and I. He wants us to make that. He wants us to be intentional about it and pursue that. Okay, well, um, I wanted to read a Revelations 3.11 to you and, and talk to you. Just I'm fixing to come try to bring it to the end. Are you all okay? All right, Revelations 3.11. This is a very important now word, okay? Uh, it says this. Uh, behold, this is Jesus talking, you know, so it's kind of important. You know, behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have. Hold fast what you have. Okay, that no one may take your crown. That no one. Now listen to me. Crowns are important in the spiritual world. Okay. In fact, this is this is the truth. When the when the uh, spiritual world, either the 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 good spiritual world, the angels from from heaven, uh, from the Lord, or the bad ones, the demons from hell, when they look at us, okay, they look at the crowns we have on our head. Okay? Because every Christian has crowns. When we get saved, we're all given a crown of righteousness. In fact, Romans 5.17 says this is how you reign as a king on this earth. It's through grace and righteousness. So when a, when a believer falls from grace, when a believer backslides, when a believer sins, it's literally they lose that crown. Okay? That crown comes off their head because they're no longer in right relationship with the Lord. Okay? And guess where that crown goes? It doesn't go back to heaven. It just don't sit out there in the spiritual world. The devil comes and gets it because nobody's possessing it. Okay, so the devil steals people's crowns all the time. That's why Jesus was saying, hang on to what you have. Hold fast to what you have, to your crowns, what I have given you in life. And there's different crowns in the Bible. There's one in the Bible a lot of Christians have lost in this day and age. It's called the crown of rejoicing. And we lose the crown of rejoicing when our mouths are full of criticism and complaining and whining. And we lose that crown, and the devil gets it. And so he's got, the devil has people's crowns. And, and, and really, you, you will, if you could see in the spiritual, you will see demons walking around arrogantly with people's crowns on. Seriously, walking around people's crowns, because they tempted a guy, they worked on a guy, and 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 caused that guy's heart to get full of lust and everything else. And finally they fell and gave in to it. And as they fell, they grabbed their crown as that poor guy like walked into like a sheep going into slaughter. You know? And they're walking around with his crown on, arrogantly, because they stole it. And that's why Jesus said, you've got to hang on to your crowns. Hang on. And there's a crown of anointing, a crown of calling. That a lot of Christians, number one, have, some of them haven't even picked it up. Okay? And some, and they got excuses one day. I don't know. Well, that's not, you can find out. The Lord will help you find that out if you're really serious about it. Or some of them have quit. You know, they just gave it up. They quit because of whatever reason. Okay? And well, that's what I'm seeing a lot of Christians. I've been a, a pastor long enough to watch people walk in their calling and watch those same people lay their calling down and watch the fruit in their life over a period of time and watch what happens with their life. It's not a good thing. Okay? Because you, you could see these people who had, had real authority in the Lord, had real anointings in the Lord, real callings in the Lord, and for whatever choices they made, whatever reasons they made, some of them, were, they, they laid them down. They just laid their, their crowns down. They didn't think, I'm laying my crown down. They just got themselves involved in other things, some of them. Other things became more important than that thing inside of them. And what happened is their Christian life went down, they went down, and their families went down. 
And some of them, the very thing they were saying they were doing, I've got to take care of my family, okay, they just started destroying their family. I'm serious about this now. I'm being real serious. I'm not suggesting we don't take care of family. But I am telling you this. Your choices in your life of what God's called you to do is going to have a major impact on you and your, your family. It really will. I have no regrets about, I think I've already said this, but I mean, I want you to, if we will choose to follow the Lord and follow what He has for us, we won't regret the hard decisions that we make. We really won't. We'll see good fruit come out of it in time. So that's why Jesus, Jesus said that. And, and I want you to know the crown thing's real. I could really spook you out here and tell you about some things I've seen, but I, I think I'm not going to do that. But here's a scripture, uh, Leviticus 21:12. This is important. Uh, neither, speaking of the priest, neither shall he go out of the sanctuary. That's the calling. That's the thing. That God, nor profane the sanctuary of his God. For the crown of the anointing oil is on his, oil of, of his God is upon him. I am the Lord. And in other words, there's a crown of anointing oil. That's the crown of calling. Because that's what you have the anointing for in your life. And you have that crown on you. And so when you hear somebody who has an anointing, or you see somebody who's doing something, they have an anointing, there's literally a crown on them that's causing them to be able to do that. And that's why Jesus says, don't let nobody, because everything is going after your crown. People are going after your crown. The world's going after your crown. The devil's going after your crown. Trying to get it from you. Trying to get you to, to reason it away. Or trying to get you just to quit because you're so, so much of a failure or whatever you know, it may be. But don't give in. Hold on to that thing that God has put in you. Don't let it go. Fight for it. All right, here's another scripture. I wanted to read this one to you. Are y'all okay? Who? You get to learn, you know, you get some interesting stuff, man. You know, the, the Christians, I'm going to tell you, the Christians need to understand the spiritual world better. Because when you begin to understand the spiritual world better, you can begin to understand the Bible better. And you can begin to understand how things work, okay? Because there is a spiritual world around us that has an order and things are happening in it, good and bad. And when we, we begin to see that world and understand what's going on with that world, then we can begin to really see, oh, this is what this is talking about. Oh, I see what you're talking about. There's a demon that shows up looking like an angel with a crown on with an arrogant look on his face. He stole that crown from somebody. In fact, he stole that crown from me one day when I got messed up and said a bunch of stuff I shouldn't have said. I'm getting that crown back from him. You know? And when we begin, and that may sound crazy to you, but I'm telling you, it is real. It is very real. Okay? It's very real. All that stuff is really real. And we need to have the eyes of our heart open. That's why Paul said, get your, the eyes of your heart open so you can really dial into these things that are going on around you. I don't really want to dial into the demonic world, though. I'll be honest with you. I want to dial into the, to the Lord's world. You know, because there's a difference in that. I'm going to tell you that now. All right, for years, years, several years ago, I want to tell you that this is really what clued me on all this. This is where I really started to understand this. There was a man who was like an apostolic man from Africa. He was a black man. He was an African man, and he was a very powerful man. You know, he really was like an apostle over there in Africa. But he was a soft-spoken man, and he wasn't, a, he wasn't like an a, a African preacher. Y'all have heard of African preachers that can just preach, and when you, and then you see the pain on the wall curling up and falling off as they preach. I love that. But this guy didn't do that. He taught. He had a powerful teaching anointing, and there was a lot of weight on his word, a lot of authority on his words. 
but he was very mild in his delivery and very, you know, he was not, he didn't have lots of emotional involved in his words, okay? So one day he, he decides he's going to pray for me. He wants to pray for me. He feels like the Lord has a word for me, okay? And so he starts praying for me, and he prays this, this scripture right here. At the time, I didn't know he was pray, praying this scripture. I knew it was, had to be the Bible. Uh, it says, that good thing which was committed to you, that good thing which was committed to you, keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. That good thing. And he went ballistic. Literally, he went ballistic. He was like he was on a trampoline, jumping around the room, screaming. I mean, it was like, and I'm sitting there thinking, what the heck? What is wrong with him? I mean, I mean, I felt like I didn't know what to do. I felt awkward. I felt like, oh, what is this? And like, oh, there's other people in the room. I'm thinking, God, I wish he wouldn't be doing this in front of everybody. It was embarrassing to me in some. You know how you just feel like, ah, nobody wants to be the center of attention. Like, oh, please, Lord, why is he having to be so wild praying this prayer? Okay, why? Well, I found that out. I found out later. Because he kept saying, you've got to keep what God has entrusted you. You've got to keep it. Lord, help him to keep it. And he went over and over saying, I knew it was the Lord. And the next two years of my life, were like, in terms of calling, I was like, I came to several moments where I came like within, I mean, one foot into, I'm done, Lord. I'm, I'm letting it go. I mean, literally where I had one foot over there into let it go, world. I give up. I surrender. I'm not doing this no more. I'm tired of this. I can't take this no more. I was over there. I had crossed the line, and fortunately the other foot never got there because God would always somehow convince me not to. <laughs> tell me, I don't want you to do that. One time, this is what he said to me. Uh, let me just tell you this little story because this I'll never forget this. I was sitting here, and it was bad. The situation was very bad. And I sat there. I thought, you know what? I can't do this no more, Lord. I was just too crushed to do it. Okay, I just, I just can't do this no more. I can't take it no more. I'm just, I'm quitting. I'm quitting right now. I'm done. I'm not going to pastor this church no more. I'm not going to be a pastor. I'm going to go do something else with my life. I made that decision in my heart. I was, and I got up and I went and got in my car. Okay, and I drove out of the driveway up the street down, you know, my three-minute drive to my house <laughs> to tell Becky that I'm done, Becky. I'm, I'm, and it, it was not a question. I'm just going to tell her. I, I literally was there. And when I opened my door to my house, and I stuck one foot in there, I heard the Lord say to me, you can do this if you want to. That's not what I want you to do. And I took the other step in. What are you doing, home? Oh, nothing. <laughs> nothing. I'm just coming home. I just thought I would come home for a little while. It's because the Lord spoke to my heart. But I had several moments like that during those two years where I just wanted to quit. I mean, I was just broke inside. And, and things were breaking me. I mean, it was just a terrible time in my life. And that man prayed. Because, see, if I would have done that, I would have laid this crown down that God gave me. This crown of calling that, that, that has served my life, has served me well, has caused me to love the Lord in ways I would have never loved Him. Got, and I've got to know the Lord in ways I would have never got to know the Lord without that. Because it was always in front of me. And I was always going after it. And I was always needing God. And I was always trying to find God because of the desperation of my life or because of why the things were the way they were. And, and see, that's really the thing that, that, 
that Paul was trying to tell Timothy is like, you know, you've got to keep this thing because the devil, the world, and everybody else is going to try to take it from you. And I'm going to tell you something, folks. When you lay that thing down, when you really don't pursue your calling in your life, it's going to affect your spiritual life in a bad way. Maybe not in a day, maybe not in a month, maybe not in a year. But over time, over time, your spiritual life is going to begin to get diminished. And you know what, how that works? Is one day you wake up and it's real diminished. It's not like you feel it. It's not like you know it like, oh, I'm not as spiritual as I was. You know, no, one day you wake up and you, you have, you've lost a lot of spiritual reality in your life. The closeness of the Lord, the hunger for the Lord, the desires of God, the heartbeat of God, all those things that make your life precious are way away from you because you've moved way, 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 and you've quit being, and you quit following after God because of what the calling does to help provoke us into that. And so the Lord really wants to help people into their callings. And the Lord really wants to rekindle callings in people's lives today. And the Lord really wants people to ask, did you lay your crown down somewhere? Or did the enemy get your crown? Or maybe you never even knew about your crown. And the Lord wants to show you how to, show you how to, you know, get that, get that back on board. Um, so here's how you do this. Okay, first, a lot of people have questions about their calling. Are y'all okay? Here's how you do this about a calling. There's two ways I know of. Um, is one is the, the prayer in Ephesians. Okay. That the Father of glory. That's what Paul says. The Father of glory would give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the acknowledgement of the Lord Jesus Christ. That the eyes of your heart would be opened so you can know what is the hope of His calling. That's, that's what we're talking about. What is the hope of His calling on your life? That when you begin to pray that prayer, Something happens inside of you. See that thing in you. It makes you start looking for those blueprints inside of you. Because you look at your life out here and you say, Something, something's wrong with my life, God. Something's wrong with my life. Because what's in here and what's out here don't line up exactly the way they should. In fact, they're just so far from I can't do that. Because I'm going to, I live from out I, I'm, I'm in here. I'm, I want to live from what's in here, not from what's out here. Because I already did all that, and it didn't work. So I'm pretty done with that. What is, the, what is the glorious inheritance that he has in his people? That's the revelation of being a son. See, that's, that's really primary for, for people to walk in their calling is to get that revelation. Like, oh, I'm a son. Yeah. Mm. That's, the, that's the revelation of rest. That's what brings you to rest. Like, oh, I'm, I'm at peace with the Lord. The Lord's at peace with me. That's really, man, that's great. I'm loved. I'm not questioning God. I'm loved by God. That's, that's what I'm enjoying. And then, you know, that happened to Jesus. And then it says Jesus started doing miracles. And he started walking in his calling after that. So that's really important. That's the third part of that prayer. What is the exceeding greatness of his power? Okay, that, see, all that really will impact your life. Uh, I wanted to tell you this scripture here. It's Mark 3, 
Let me read it to you. Are you okay? It says he went up on the mountain. That's Jesus. And listen to this. He called to himself those he himself wanted. He called, called them to himself. And see, that, I'm going to tell you something. This is the next key about the calling that I know is true. That's the great call right there. That, that really is the great call, is to be with the Lord himself. You see, when he calls you, he calls you not, he don't first call you to do something. He first calls you just to be with him. You know? And I'm telling you something. That's really, when I felt the Lord call me, I felt like he was saying, Byron, because I, I, I realized I don't know the Lord. And I'm, I don't know about you. I've been a Christian for five years. And that crushed me when I came to that realization. I really don't know you, Lord. And I just don't, I'm sorry. I don't know you. I'm really sorry. I was crushed by that fact because I thought I knew him. I didn't even know myself. And the Lord took responsibility for me at that moment. That's what he did. He took responsibility for me. And he said, I'm going to show you about knowing me. I'm going to teach you relationship. I'm going to show you how to really know me. I'm going to walk you. I'm going to take responsibility for you, Byron. And also, by the way, I have called you to be a pastor. And like, what? I was like, no way you called me to be a pastor, Lord. I can't do that. I don't even want to be a pastor. I want to be a businessman and make money. That's what I really wanted to do. That's what I want to do, Lord. I want to be a business. I want to make money. I can do business. I understand. I got this mind you've given me. I want to use it. You don't use your mind being a pastor. <laughs> you know, you waste a mind. I went to school to do all this, and now I can't. I was thinking all that, but I sort of switched, switched out of that. Well, you do get to use your mind some. You know. <laughs> So the Lord really does, it says He called them to Himself. I love this Scripture. I live on this Scripture. I go back to this Scripture often in my life. Like, am I coming to You, Lord? Do I still, do I still hear that call to be with You? Not just be a pastor, not just do ministry, but do I, do I, really, do I really feel that call to be with You? Do I feel something in me that wants to be with Him? Because that's what really will keep you in callings. That's what will keep you in life. It's just being with Him. It said that about the disciples. It says, those people were fishermen. They didn't know it. They didn't have no degrees. But they had been with the Lord. They had been with Him. And they were out doing a bunch of crazy stuff. You know, causing and stirring up trouble. <laughs> Everywhere they went. And that's the next thing. He says He appointed them to stir up trouble. <laughs> That they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have power to heal people. And I'm telling you something. I was looking at the guy last, I think it was last night, I was looking at him and his face was all disfigured. And I was thinking, well, I'm not going to tell you what I was saying. I get in trouble for using those words in church. But this is what I thought, D the devil. That's what I thought, D the devil. Because that man should not be like that. His face shouldn't be disfigured. Some kind of, you know, something that had ate his, I guess he had cancer or something. I'm not sure, but his face was all tore up. You know, he was healed, but he wasn't healed. He was disfigured. That's what the devil does to people. He disfigures them, spiritually and physically. And you start seeing that, and you start hating 
Because that's what Jesus hated. He hated all that because he didn't want people to be like that. He didn't want us to be like that. He wants to heal sickness and cast out demons. So, I think a calling is really important. You know, I really do. I think it's really important. I think it's more important right now than it's ever been. I think we're going to have to learn how to be prisoners of the Lord in our callings. You know, I think we're going to have to be able to to see our calling through no matter what the circumstances are. Is what that is, what that says to me. I just think some of you need to pick up your calling again, pick up your crown again. And I think there's grace to pick it up. Because it's going to be really important in the world we live in, you know, that we don't, that we keep going. We keep, we, that thing that keeps us walking, that thing that keeps us going, that thing that keeps motivating us. I want to just tell you, don't let the frustration stop you. Don't let the lack of success stop you. Don't let, you know, those things that stop you from seeing your calling. Don't let that stop you. Don't let the disappointment, don't let the failure of other people stop you. You know, don't let the successes of other people stop you because there are going to be some people that will be wildly successful and, and you want to be wildly successful. And you look at them and you look how crummy you are. You know, the more you look at them, the more crummy you feel about yourself of how unsuccessful you are. Don't let that happen to you. Don't let that happen to you. Let no one, Jesus said, let no one, let no one take your crown. Let no one steal your crown. Let no devil steal your crown. Let, let, don't let them. We, see, we have that choice. See, that's why he said that. We have to make that decision. It's our choice, our decision on not allowing that. And if you'll do that, you see, if you begin to think like that, if you begin to really say, this is what's important, it's inside of me. I feel something inside of me. That's what's important. I've got to go do that, Lord. I don't, I don't really want to always, but I've got to. Because that's where you're at. And if I go, I'm going to be with you because you're not going to just send me off on some wild goose chase by myself. Even when, we, even when you make the mistakes and take the wrong turns and do your own little wild goose chase thing, which you will do, you know what? The Lord just runs down there. Oh, I'll go down there with him. You know, When he figures it out and gets back to me, we're going to, I'll be right there because he never leaves us or forsakes us. Okay, I'm just trying to wait a moment. Okay, because I really want you to get that. I want you to get the calling to be with Jesus. That that's the most important calling there is. And it's a calling. It's an active, moving thing. Because He's with us. See, Jesus is already with us. He's already there. He's there. And He's just saying, I want to be with you. I'm with you. But I want you to be with me. I want you to choose that. I want you to come up here where I'm at. And, I'm, and I've called you to two things in your life. One, to be with me. And two, to go out and destroy the works of the devil. However that works out in your life, whatever it means, you know, in your life, wherever it's at in your life. So I'm going to pray. Let me just, can I just pray right now? I want you to receive, if, if you are a person this morning who's never, ever 
if you question about your call, I want you to just lift your hands to the Lord this morning because He's going to release. The, I'm just there's a grace in here for a crown to come on you this morning. Just if that's you, just raise your hand to the Lord because the Lord's got there's grace in here to come on you for that calling, and suddenly your mind is going to be different because of that calling that's going to come on you. Just, Lord, just release that right now. Just release that grace, that crown of calling, that crown of anointing oil. Just release it on these who've raised their hands, Lord, in this room right now, who question the calling, who may not even understand the calling, but know, Lord, that something's being said today that's real. That something's being said that's telling my heart. I hear something in my heart that's telling me that's the truth. And it's telling me that God is saying to me personally today, you have a calling. I'm calling you today. I'm calling out to you today. And I'm going to teach you how to hear my voice. And I'm going to show you what my voice is like. And I'm going to show you what my presence is like. And I'm going to show you how to come into my presence. I'm going to show you that. You know, we're in an hour right now where we need to know how to come into the presence of the Lord. And where we need to be able to discern when the devil comes to us like an angel of light. Because he comes that way. And if we don't know the Lord by being with him, we could get messed up. But when you are with the Lord, the enemy can be have his best, his best costume on. And he can't fool you. He can't fool you because you've been with the real and there's nothing, nothing can copy Jesus. Nothing on earth, nothing in hell, nothing anywhere. No angel can even copy Jesus. You'll learn how to understand. You'll discern when the Holy Spirit's here and when it's an angel. You'll know. That's just an angel. That's just an angel. That's awesome. I love the angels, but they ain't nothing like the Holy Spirit. You'll know these things. The calling will help you with that. And the Lord's calling you also to... He has a call on your life to do something. To walk worthy of this calling. It's going to propel you into something. It's going to propel you into your purpose. It's going to propel you into your destiny. It's going to propel you into dream. The dream that God had when you dreamed with Him. When before you came to the earth, is when you were in heaven and you and God sat down one day and dreamed together about the life here. There really, and it was y'all were talking about the dream, the dream He had for your life, and you said, "I'll go do that, Lord." And probably the last thing He said to you: Just remember, you're not going to remember any of this. It's going to take you a while. To get back to this. But when you start getting back to it, you're going to know. You know, uh, are y'all okay? Branham, William Branham. I don't know how many people know about William Branham, but back in the 50s, he, he was an awesome, awesome, awesome prophet and healer. But William Branham could walk into a room... And demons would speak to other demons that were in people's bodies, and he'd hear them, and he would get those people and get those demons out of them. He had people that were healed of un- ungodly things, cancers, and but William Branham had this. He coveted 
a crown that God didn't give him. It was a teaching crown. And he went after that teaching crown and tried to teach when he had no grace to teach. There was no anointing on him to teach. And William Brandon started teaching heresy. He started teaching things that were wrong. And, and, and uh, Kenneth Hagin Sr. told William Brandon, if you don't stop this, the Lord's going to take you. He warned him. Well, not long after that, William Brandon was in a severe car accident. And he was dying, and he knew he was dying. He knew the word of the Lord came because of what he was doing was wrong. He actually healed the person who was in the accident with him. And they tried to get Brandon to lay hands on himself and heal himself. But he wouldn't do it. He knew he was finished here. And it's because he, he went after another crown. You see, you know, we could see, uh, we could see an anointing that God just says, that's not your anointing. Don't do that. Don't waste your time. Don't stoop to that. Don't stoop to being a prophet if I've called you an evangelist. You know, I, I tell you, this is what I'm learning. I feel like the Lord called me to be a pastor, but the Lord's recently said to me, Byron, I've got so many other callings for you. Don't, don't limit yourself to one thing. Don't limit yourself. Don't limit yourself, because I've got a lot more stuff. That's why it's calling. It's ongoing. And I want, if you've got a, if you feel like you have a calling, that's awesome. I mean, love that gift. Don't love somebody else's that the Lord hadn't get you, but don't limit yourself to that one thing because God has, God's got a lot for you. Paul could do all kinds of things. He could preach. He could teach. He could heal. You don't have to be limited to one thing like a pastor or a teacher or business person. God wants to release more. I want to pray a little bit more. Can I pray? I just wanted to say that because that was important. Father, I want you to release this morning more of those crowns. If you're person who's laid your crown down, I want you to raise your hands to the Lord. If you, you feel like, Lord, I just laid my crown down. Don't go on. Lord, I ask you to forgive me. If you'll just ask the Lord, Lord, I just ask you to forgive me. I laid that crown down. I'm sorry I did that. There, go on. Let the, let the enemy talk me out of it. Let that person talk me out. Let them people convince me of something that was not you. Lord, I let my circumstances convince me. Lord, I let the hardship talk me out of what you had for me. I ask you to forgive me today, Lord. Just forgive me. I'm sorry, Lord. And I renounce that act. And I ask you today to put that crown back on my head. And whatever demon that grabbed it, I just say, you've got to give it back. You better get out of here. You better get out of my life. Because I'm getting that crown back. I got the blood. <laughs> I got the blood. The devil's flee. Lord, just release that back. Release, release people back into their calling right now. There's people, the Lord's just saying, I'm releasing you back into your calling. You're being recommissioned. You're being upgraded. In fact, I hear the Lord saying to some of you who's done that, He's saying, look, not only am I going to give you that crown, but I'm giving you a promotion. Because I had already decided you were getting a promotion anyway. So you're getting a promotion because the gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. And so, Lord, just release that. New crowns on people. I want you to raise your hands if you want a new crown. If you feel like God's calling into something more. If you feel like there's just something more. There's something in my heart that won't let me go. It just won't let go of me. I just feel like there's something more. Lord, I don't know what it is exactly, but I feel that like you're just drawing me. I feel like there's a hook in my heart that's pulling me to something. Lord, I don't know what it is, Lord, but honestly, God, I want it. 
And I'm going to pursue it. I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to walk through this thing with you. And it's going to come clear as I go. Lord, I ask you to give me that. Crown of righteousness. For those who've laid their crown of righteousness down through sin, Lord, just, just repent right now. Those who've lost your crown of rejoicing, just do that. Those who really feel a call in their life and you're struggling with your calling, one time I felt that way a long time ago. and I remember I was sitting in a conference room at work and I was just struggling in my life. I didn't want to be there. I wanted to be pastoring, which was sort of a shift for me. But I couldn't make it work. And I was so frustrated with my life because I felt something just in me that was so powerful in me, but my life wouldn't allow it. My, nothing would allow it. And I said, Lord, what do you have for me, Lord? What do you have for me? And I had a cup of coffee, and on the top, on the lid, was a crown. And I knew the Lord saying, i got a crown of calling on your life, Byron. i got a crown of calling on your life. For some of you in this room this morning, I hear the Lord saying that to you. you got your cup right there, and it's got that crown on it. And it came true. It came true. Because, see, the calling will cause it to come true. The calling will keep you moving towards it. The calling will motivate you if you'll let it. So I really want to say to people who feel like they have a calling, raise your hands to the Lord. It's like, Lord, I, there's something else for me. There's, a, there's something broader for me. There's something bigger for me. There's something different for me. Lord, and I just want to do it. And I want to receive that crown. I received that crown. Even if it was on a plastic lid, I receive it today. I receive it today so I can walk in there. I just thank you for that, Lord. Lord, just release those. Just crown us with many crowns. Because you know what, ladies and gentlemen, this is the truth. When we get to heaven, you know what we're supposed to do? This, see, this is the crazy thing about this crown stuff. Okay? And this is what will really break your heart. So when we get to heaven, you know what we're supposed to do? We're supposed to take those crowns and lay them at the Lord's feet. And we cannot live a life on this earth when we're supposed to have crowns that we take into heaven with us to give to Jesus. That, that's really the whole point of the crown thing. I really be in the end. It's like, Lord, you give me all these crowns, and when I get to heaven, I'm putting every one of them at your feet. I'm going to cast them down and give you all the crowns you've given me. Because they're all your crowns. That's why the Bible crown him with many crowns. And I'm saying, Lord, I am going to throw some crowns in that pile of crowns that's on your head. And see, that's really, really it. When it really comes right in, it's like we're meant to go into eternity with crowns. And we're to give those crowns to Him when we are finished on this earth. Because we, you know, when we get to heaven, is it going to be a whole new ball game? Isn't Isn't that an awesome thought, though? See, that will motivate you on earth. That motivates me. I want my crowns. I want my crowns, I want my crowns, I want my crowns. I want them not only because I'm supposed to have them now, because they're going to help me now, they're going to get me where I need to go now, but one day I want them because I want to be able to give them back to the Lord. I want to give them to Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Lord, Holy Spirit, come right now. Sure. I just feel like uh, I just want to pray for us a repentant prayer. Lord, forgive us for looking at other people's crowns. Lord, forgive us for looking at other people's callings 
and judging ours on those. You've said to us, Lord, that their callings are not our callings. You've said to us, Lord, that their identity is not our identity. Lord, release the chains. Set us free from the prison that we've put ourselves in. From going after things that weren't ours. (laughs) And release us, Lord, into the exact things that you have for us. Release us, Lord, into the identity that you've put in us as your children. Lord, we just fall at our feet in the middle of confusion. And we look to you for the answer. We don't look to anybody else but to you. What Byron was saying earlier, Lord, in Ephesians, we do ask that your wisdom would be on us. That your guidance and direction would be on us. Today, right now in this moment, in the days, in the weeks, in the years to come. We cry out to you because you have the answer for us. We cry out to you for wisdom because you have the wisdom for us. Release our callings. Oh, Lord, release our callings. Yeah. Just when I just heard this quote, I just remembered and um, by... Um, Elizabeth Elliot's husband, I think, who said this, who lost his life for the gospel, by the way. But he said this, he is no fool who would choose to give the thing he cannot keep for the thing that he will never lose. And that's really what our call is all about, is really realizing, you know, when we give something up for the Lord... You know, you think you're losing something, but really the truth of the matter is is we're gaining. We're just gaining. You just only can gain when you give it for the Lord. That it, it's the beginning how we give our life. Initially, we lay it down to the Lord as we surrender. You know, as we surrender it to Him. And then each time He asks us to surrender fresh in an area, we're giving the thing up. <laughs> You know, but we're given the thing that we're going to lose anyway to find the thing that we'll never lose. Isn't that just beautiful? It's really beautiful. So, ooh, so why don't we just, if you need to spend time up here at the altar, you know, quietly or whatever it is, you know, but we can go ahead and close. But I just feel like the Lord, this is really dealing with all of us this morning feel the heaviness, the cloud in the room. It really is the Lord. You know, this is the other thing I want to say is last night we watched a video of these Muslim leaders who were saying in Africa we're losing 6 million Muslims a year to Christianity. 6 million. And the interviewer said, why do you think you're losing them? He said, because these Christians are healing the sick and raising the dead and opening blind eyes. How can we compete with that? How we can, can we compete? 
But you know who they showed a picture of was Heidi Baker. Heidi Baker was baptizing. This is a woman who's laid down everything for the call of God. She's given it all up. So I just want to say, wow. Wow. This, this thing's working. It's working. You think it, it's not working, but it's working. So whatever area God wants to use you in, it's going to work. It's going to work. There's going to be awesome things happening, breaking loose around us. It may not be the nation of Africa, but it's going to be your sphere of influence around you where the enemy is absolutely going to begin to lose, 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 lose. And that's what we're talking about today. Woo! Thank you, Lord. Woo! <laughs> Whoa, it's good. It's good. Let's stand up. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the word of the Lord today to our hearts, oh God. Thank you for the word of the Lord today, Lord. Thank you, God. Oh, we just want to surrender. Give us grace to surrender afresh to the call of God on our life, Lord. Woo! Give us that fresh grace. Yeah. Woo! I just felt that. Y'all just feel that there's wind right now. Wind. Woo! Just lift up that hand and catch that wind, that grace. For the fresh call. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Lord. Woo! 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 Oh! Oh! Ha! Whoa! Oh! Oh! Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Whoa! Yeah, that fresh fire, fresh vision, fresh fire in this house today, Lord. Whoa, ha, whoa. Let it come, yeah, on that sacrifice. Let the fire come on the sacrifice today. As we lay it down, let the fire come. Let the fire come, oh, Lord. Whoa. Oh, fire on the altar of sacrifice. Fire on the altar of sacrifice. Yeah, if you need to respond to the Lord, just come up and respond to Him. Oh, Lord, let that fire come on that sacrifice. Ho! Whoa! Yeah! Oh! Ha! Ministry team people can come up. I do believe there does need to be a response here this morning. There needs to be a response to release, to release. Thank you, Lord. Ho! Thank you, Lord. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Oh, if you know that the Lord is pulling on your heart today, I just encourage you to come up and let hands get prayed on you to release that fresh calling on your life today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, there's people being dealt with in this room. I know it. Feel it. It is deep. Just come. Come up. Whoa. Yeah. Woo. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. Whoa, thank you, Lord. Mm. You have to get more ministry team. That would be great. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Lord. Woo. <laughs> oh, yeah. Thank you. I believe there's fire coming on the altar for this as you respond to the Lord. Mm.